the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel. I'm filling in for Seth. Uh, Since it's the top of the hour, I will run down my robust resume. I'm editor-in-chief at Ricochet.com. Fantastic center-right conservative conversation community. Do a podcast there called The King of Stuff. I I called it The King of Stuff. There's a long story behind this. But basically, I bounce all over in topics. I, I try to keep it... Interesting because there's so many podcasts out there and they talk to other podcast hosts as their guests and it gets very incestuous very quickly and you keep getting the same opinions. So I try to get people on there, uh, some reporters, some politicians, some musicians, comedians, authors, artists of all kind because I just want to hear from all different people so I can hear from all different angles and not just the normal Beltway chatter. Um, that, that gets old after a while, as, as we all know, hearing from the exact same voices. Also write every other week, including this weekend, for the Arizona Republic, where I am uh, kind of a token conservative there. Robert Robb has been there forever. Um, I, I, they just bring me in as a, basically someone to uh, rile people up and uh, yell at me in the comments. And i got to come up with some topic to talk about this weekend. What should it be? Maybe hosting a talk radio show. Maybe I can talk about that. Um, yeah, we're, we're seeing um, – w- one thing that has been interesting to watch throughout these COVID lockdowns is this falling perception of any kind of institution in government. Um, people are getting frustrated across the board. One group that was always held in high esteem and it never dropped in support was the military. That actually dropped in support. Uh, they do this annual poll. I think it's Gallup that does it. And for the first time in a very long time, uh, the, the respect to the military dropped precipitously. And this, I'm sure, has a lot to do with them weighing into partisan political battles, weighing into culture war battles. You had a lot of generals opposing, publicly opposing and speaking against Donald Trump. You saw that. And now we have uh, the crazy situation where all the ads for people to join the military. Man, I, I joined the Navy um, when uh, right out of high school. I was always one of those students who... The teacher said, smart kid doesn't apply himself, and I knew if I went straight from high school to college, since I had zero study skills, I would just cram the night before, if at all. Um, I knew I would just kind of slack off in college, so it's like, I need somebody to whip me into shape. So I joined the Navy, uh, ended up on a submarine reactor operator, um, and after two weeks underwater, I was thinking of a career, and after two weeks underwater, my first two weeks, I went... I kind of miss the sun. Um, that was kind of nice seeing the sun every once in a while. So after one tour of duty, I said, that's enough. But it did what it, I needed it to do. It whipped me into shape. And I got out there. Um, that was what you did if you were a young person, male or female, and you wanted someone to whip you into shape. Or maybe you have a long military history of people in your family doing that. I was basically the first in my family to do anything military. Uh, my mom thought I was crazy. and uh, But it turned out great for me. Um, now, uh, you know, the ads in my era were basically uh, movies like Top Gun, and uh, now it's how woke can we be? Uh, there's been ads and tweets coming out of the CIA, coming out from the Air Force, coming out from the Navy that are all about intersexual- intersectionality. 
There, I think I said it right there. Critical race theory, things like this. This is not why you join the military. Uh, you join the military to get a sense of honor, a sense of character, and uh, to be active, to really uh, figure out who you are, how to lead, how to follow. A lot of times that's just as important as learning to lead and uh, protecting your country, protecting big things, uh, building virtues. That's what it's there for. It's not for um, all the social engineering, which uh, the Pentagon doesn't seem to understand, but I'm sure most people in the military on uh, the ground level manning the ships um, at the forward bases, forward operating bases around the world, uh, those are the people doing the real work. And unfortunately, uh, many of the top brass in the Pentagon are uh, not keeping their eye on the ball, as it were. So you have all these problems with uh, people just being disappointed in the establishment and all these different organizations which are supposed to improve our life. CDC is a perfect example of this. Anthony Fauci has turned into a punchline at this point. Everybody, you know, they were making candles like these votive candles, so you prayer candles that you could pray to St. Fauci. Madness. Um, they have routinely made mistakes, made errors. Their only job at the CDC is preparing for a pandemic, and they got it wrong. They apparently uh, were helping fund uh, the lab that most likely this uh, virus escaped from. Um, they are just failing again and again and again. Victor Davis Hansen, always a great read. Um, actually, at Ricochet, we have this podcast. Uh, it's called The Classicist. So please subscribe. It's fantastic. I listen every week. And it's usually very short and to the point, uh, just like many of his articles. It's just kind of undiluted, undistilled common sense uh, from someone who understands the grand sweep of history. He had an article on American Greatness uh, recently. I think it just came out yesterday, just talking about uh, people giving up on institutions. And we don't just mean government institutions, although that's what we talk about in politics. Um, you know, Hollywood, the news media, uh, Silicon Valley, uh, the major sports leagues, higher ed, um, all these different groups people have just lost faith in because they've put profits over their mission. That's all they seem to care about is uh, surfing the cultural mores of the of the day. And uh, that, is, that is no way to run these things. What you send your child to university for, what you go to college for is to have your mind open, to learn a trade, uh, to learn how to think properly, and so you su can succeed in life. And instead, it's just um, poisoning people's minds with grievances, with uh, these kind of madcap uh, studies that they have. And when I say studies, um, anything with studies after the name um, is probably not going to earn you a lot of money in the free market. Uh, you might want to stick to something like engineering, even business, marketing, something that you can actually uh, use in the real world. But instead, you have all this intersectionality studies um, going on. And all it does is embitter people against each other, classmates against each other, uh, looking, uh, identifying people as victims and oppressors, and uh, no real help for the country at large. And charging you, you have to pay a great deal of money and be in debt for decades to uh, enjoy this useless education, um, you have all these organizations which just all they want to do, as Victor Davis Hanson says, lecture Americans on their moral inferiorities. And meanwhile, the people doing the lecturing are some of the least moral people out there. You know, if you want to see a moral exemplar, if you want to find virtue, everybody knows what you find it is in your neighbor who works hard, uh, 
provides for his kids, loves his spouse, um, is out there helping in the community. He is not demanding fanfare. He's not demanding uh, parades in his honor. And he's not complaining about what a victim he is. Instead, he's just out there busting it and getting it done for his community, for his family, for his neighbors, uh, and ultimately for his country. And we see real-life heroes like this all the time. We do not see many of these uh, real-life heroes running the major institutions in America. Instead, it's a very self-dealing group who think virtue and morality is posting a black square during the George Floyd protest slash riots. They think that's virtue. I believe the right things. Um, and meanwhile, they're cheating on their taxes and screwing over the business partners and maybe funding some uh, suspicious lab in China. That's what they're doing uh, with their lives. They're not exhibiting virtue. And that's the problem with this great awakening, as it's often been called. You have people who are creating a new, very convenient morality – but it's a morality that changes every day. If you have um, some kind of religious background, Jewish, Christian, Islam, whatever it might be, you have these long-lasting eternal truths, you know, truths that have been good for millennia. You know, don't lie. Don't steal. Uh, don't envy the people around you. These kind of bedrock principles that have served fair and decent societies since – recorded time throughout uh, historical time that we have records of. And instead, you have this ever-shifting morality, which is – I've talked to many people. Um, I actually wrote an article about this talking about some uh, mega church that I attended. I won't say the name. A lot of great people doing their great work there. But one I attended a while ago. And three years ago, it was sermons on Me Too. Two years ago, it was on climate change. One year ago, it was on – Racial reconciliation, well, not even that, racial grievance more like. And uh, now I'm sure it's something else. Whatever the trendy thing is to uh, be following, that is not what virtue is. That is not what morality is. Instead, it's hard work. It's doing the right thing when it hurts to do the right thing. It's standing up for the right cause even if you might be punished for it. You might be canceled for it as we see all the time here. That's actually hard work and it's something more and more institutions and the leaders of those institutions are absolutely unwilling to do. They want to play with their little made-up morality, which will change a week from now. They'll have some new hashtag you need to uh, tweet about, um, but instead they don't have the basic virtues that have kept this country running throughout its existence. Hey, we are going to be taking a brief ad break and we will be back after that to talk a little more. Again, John Gabriel for filling in for Seth Liebson. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth for the next 40 minutes or so. In the next half hour, we're going to have Bethany Mandel talking on. She has written everywhere, literally every single publication that has ever been printed. She's written for him at one point or another, including the New York Post. And she has an article coming up tomorrow about uh, these very troubling anti-Semitic attacks uh, coming in the wake of the violence when Hamas sent a zillion rockets into Israel and uh, mercifully, Israel's Iron Dome protected that state from many of these terrorist attacks, and they were able to uh, put a lot of put a lot of hurt on uh, Hamas fighters during that time. So hopefully, that will bear fruit and bring a little peace to that region. Thanks to Joe Biden for uh, giving money to the Palestinians again, so they could waste it on rockets to fire into one of our few allies in the Middle East. 
But I wanted to get back to this uh, lack of trust in institutions. Um, you have many Republicans and former Republicans who have um, been in D.C. saying, you know, wringing their hands and saying, what is wrong with these voters? Why don't they trust our brilliant plans to, um, I don't know, lower the marginal tax rate 2 percent? Um, it's because people don't trust institutions and that spreads everywhere. They don't trust the GOP and Democrats don't trust the Democratic Party. Um, the party faithful wanted a far-left progressive. Thankfully, they did not get that and they got a far-left progressive in, wool, in sheep's clothing in the form of Biden. Um, he's doing as much damage as probably a Bernie Sanders would do as, in the White House. But uh, people just aren't trusting these big institutions anymore and government um, itself doesn't seem to understand this case. Um, CDC has bungled their pandemic response. It's the only job that they have. And uh, they have something like a $20 trillion budget and they cannot figure out the incredible technology behind a two-inch by four-inch piece of cloth you can wear or not wear on your face. Um, that just bewildered them. Uh, they weren't able to do it. They repeatedly lied. Um, Fauci himself said you shouldn't wear a mask early on. And then he said, oh, well, I lied because I wanted to make sure that uh, doctors and healthcare workers had all the masks that they needed. Um, you can't just lie to the public about stuff and not have repercussions. And that's why people think CDC is pretty much a joke at this point. And I know politicians like uh, Joe Biden um, was pretending to follow their advice. You know, that guy wore a mask when he was sleeping, I would guess. He wore a mask in the shower. He wore three masks anytime he made a public statement. Um, I, I think uh, Joe Biden actually ought to have uh, played into this a little more. Just anytime he's giving a speech, wear a mask, and he could just play, I don't know, the greatest hits from Ronald Reagan or something like that, uh, since he loves uh, stealing other people's um, speeches as it is. He has a plagiarism problem. He should have played into that a little more. But um, people don't trust these institutions because they have failed again and again and again. And uh, how anyone in D.C. is bewildered by this, they're bewildered by uh, voters who don't just follow the party blindly, is just beyond me. Um, institutions all over the place, not only in America, this is around the world. Uh, there's a great book I read about it um, recently. Martin Gurry is the author of it. He wrote it originally back in 2012. And he basically predicted the Trump phenomenon completely because he could see around the world, you know, you had the Arab Spring, you had these minor revolutions around the world. Uh, before Trump was put in office, a few months earlier, you had Brexit in the UK, something they said was impossible. This can never happen. These people don't know what's best for them. It's because they lost faith in the institution that is known as the EU, which is completely a fraudulent organization um, it's basically uh, pretending to be democratic um, in principle, but no one is responsible. They just want to rule over the people like the aristocracy of old and not let people in these various countries have a say in matters. So people are turning against these massive institutions. In part, these institutions, they don't understand what their goal is. Um, part of their goal is just to stay out of people's way on issues that do not matter with their mission and their vision. The CDC should focus only on pandemics. That's it. That's all they need to focus on. They don't need huge budgets for this. They don't need tens of thousands of employees to do this. They need to focus on the main agenda instead. They wanted to get cute. They wanted to throw out pitches at MLB games. They wanted to uh, be celebrated on CNN and on the Sunday shows. No, your job is to protect the American people, and you failed in doing that. 
Uh, you said something as simple as calling the virus by the name in the city in which it originated was racist, although we've used, you know, gosh, Spanish flu. You had that. Um, you have all these variants named after the the place where they emerged from. But for some reason, uh, the Wuhan virus was a bridge too far and it was somehow racist. Um, if you want to see racist, racism up close and personal, um, visit China. It is one of the most racist societies around. Uh, you have the Han Chinese, which is the ruling class. Look what they're doing to the Uyghurs. Look at what they're doing to people in outlying provinces that are not Han Chinese. They cannot get ahead. They are kept down uh, ruthlessly um, by the state. Um, it is a very racist country. And uh, meanwhile, they call America racist. And uh, Biden basically nods his head and agrees with them. Yeah, we are pretty terrible. Um, it, it's just crazy, and this is the reason Americans don't trust institutions, and the wise politicians understands this and is riding that wave. Some institutions are necessary. Uh, the military, we mentioned earlier, they are necessary, and they do a very important job. That's why I want them to focus on their given job and not on woke politics, not on uh, whatever crazy theory of critical race theory is uh, running around in the Pentagon these days. Focus on defending this nation. Focus on killing people and breaking things. That is your job. It is not to do this crazy social engineering. Uh, don't waste your time on that because if you take your eyes off the ball and focus on all these ancillary issues, you are not in a situation to win a war, which is your job there. One thing that I will give credit for, and I wrote in the Arizona Republic about it, was I will give credit to Biden for finally saying that troops will be out of Afghanistan. We will see if he actually fulfills this promise He's a little loose with uh, following up on any of the promises he made. But we've been there 20 years. And many people say, even many Republicans say, well, what's going to happen when we leave? Violence is going to erupt. We gave them 20 years. We gave them blood and treasure. We gave them the lives of some of our most promising young people. Um, we gave them 20 years to take advantage of this um, chance at forging peace forging a long-lasting peace, um, reforming their medieval uh, governmental structures, they decided not to. It's time to go. Frankly, it was time to go a decade ago, if not more ago. We should not be um, having boots on the ground there for 20 whole years. But, um, yeah, expect to see that when violence does erupt in Afghanistan. People will blame the pullout of U.S. troops, our small presence that we have now. They will blame America for the violence there. Um, we gave them a chance. We gave them a very long chance, and they chose not to uh, take us up on it. Um, so uh, enjoy yourself. Enjoy the bed that you uh, made yourself. You will have to lie in it. Hey, after this break, we're going to be going to some ads in the news, and after that, we will have Bethany Mandel. She has been following some of the anti-Semitic attacks going on around the world, especially in New York City, uh, following the violence in the Middle East. We'll talk to her after the break. See you then. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth and uh, very happy to have on my fellow editor at ricochet.com and as of, I don't know, a month and a half ago, my uh, podcast co-host for the Edit This podcast, Bethany Mandel. How are you? Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing great. Well, you have a big article. Uh, it's mentioned on the cover of the New York Post for tomorrow's edition. I don't think it's quite yeah. available online yet. 
Um, something that has been very disturbing, but all too expected in our current environment, as soon as Hamas started indiscriminately firing rockets uh, into civilian areas of Israel, and Israel had the audacity to defend themselves and protect the people that they're supposed to protect, you had violence, anti-Semitic violence, I'm sorry, anti-Zionist violence, which happened to target <laughs> anyone who is Jewish uh, or appeared Jewish. Uh, throughout um, London, New York, L.A. We're seeing these attacks all over. Um, there was a Holocaust survivor who was attacked. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's funny. The sort of the, the line has always been, you know, I'm, I'm not an anti-Semite. I'm just against Israel. And that is why in these all these violent sort of outbreaks against Jews, it's not happening at a consulate. It's not happening at an embassy. It's happening at kosher restaurants. It's happening at synagogues. Uh, it, it's happening to people on the streets. One of the most disturbing videos that I've seen um, over the last couple weeks, as far as this anti-Semitic violence goes, is um, incendiary devices, fireworks, were thrown at Jews in the Diamond District. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think that people sort of kind of lay waiting for moments to... Uh, show their true colors when it comes to Jews, and they've seen an opportunity with um, with everything going on in Israel, and they are not letting it go to waste. Yeah, it's just absolutely disgusting to see. Uh, this happens all the time. And what you had is Democrats, um, bless their hearts, they finally came out, even the squad, came out to strongly condemned anti-Semitism as part of a long, long laundry list saying um, that there's been anti-Hamas attacks and anti, basically Islamophobia, they've tried to tie everything together, when what we're seeing, especially in American cities, is Jew hatred. Let's just be honest about what this is. This is not a political statement. This is the oldest bias um, in human history. It's just attacking Jews because they are, they have the audacity to be Jewish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's infuriating and this is the, the topic of my piece but um just about on the just about on the new york post website it's, it's there but a little hard to find at the moment but basically you know we we saw these coordinated social media campaigns uh, against asian hate and black lives matter and all of these things which fine whatever how many emails have you received from a brand how many how many targeted and sponsored social media campaigns have you seen about stop anti-Semitism against Jew hate. And th there was this um, this really sad and disturbing but very true meme that kind of went around the Jewish world. So that's the only place where any of this is actually sort of discussed at in depth. And it said, you know, I stood up for black lives. I stood up for Asian lives. And no one stood up for me because I'm a Jew. And it's mm -hmm. just, that's, that's just, that's where it is. The, the, the conservative right-wing evangelical and you know actually christian world does but nobody else cares because i mean black black lives are are one thing but let's let's not let's not get bent out of shape about these right we i uh, was mentioning in an earlier segment how uh last summer everybody's uh, dutifully posting a black square uh we've seen a few people posting a blue square uh the blue from the israel flag but you have not seen this massive uh, media freakout. You haven't even seen the freakout that they uh, initiated for this anti-Asian hate, which usually wasn't white on Asian crime, but it was hideous. 
and uh, they just say, oh, well, Israel's bad. It's their fault for, I don't know, being attacked, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but the, the problem is this has nothing to do with Israel. This is completely separate from Israel. And this, it, it's just, I mean, if this had anything to do with Israel, this there would be sort of marches at embassies, but they're not. They're attacking people at kosher restaurants, and they're defacing synagogues and cemeteries. And what's, what's I think, really disturbing is that this is a long line of, not just online Jewish hatred, but it's 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 gone offline, and there are more attacks against uh, against Jewish individuals than there ever were against Asians or ever were against uh, people of color of any right. Kind. Right? Can you and hold on with us through the break? We have a break coming up. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Fantastic. We'll be back with Bethany Mandel in a minute. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth until the top of the hour. We have Bethany Mandel on, and she has written a fantastic article for the New York Post talking about all these ugly anti-Semitic attacks going on. Uh, we see them in New York City. We see them in L.A. And again, as you notice, um, the chants they're saying are not against Israel. They're against Jews. What they're doing is going to kosher businesses, kosher restaurants, and attacking them. And it's just this continuing escalation that we've seen for the past year, especially in New York City with the Asita community in Brooklyn being targeted. I don't know any other word for it, uh, for these institutional pogroms during the COVID lockdowns, just harassing these people for living a different lifestyle. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the situation in New York has been really bad for a really long time. And, and this week we've seen it really escalate in a scary way. And what I think is probably more just—I'm I, 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 open to people disagreeing with me, but I think what is more disturbing than the attacks themselves, which are indiscriminate and usually indiscriminate and usually random, is the fact that elected officials in New York have basically been silent. And they were—Bill de Blasio was— totally okay at the at the height of the pandemic use all the powers of the state to harass Jews but then before and after there were attacks on the Jewish community and he couldn't spare he couldn't spare the the manpower to, to send the NYPD in to protect them but he had no issues doing so at the absolute worst of the pandemic um, to to harass the Jewish community and, and that to me, um, is is the most disturbing part about what has happened to New York City, which is a place where, I mean, my family stepped off the boat and never left. I'm the first, I, I'm the family genealogy person. I'm the first person in my family to have a baby outside of New York City. Wow. That is amazing to see. What has changed politically in New York, uh, New York City and New York State more broadly? Because before you had politician, it didn't matter which party they were in they were not going to target many people who they wanted to win the votes of these various communities. And now you have this new generation of people like, uh, you know, from the squad, AOC and the like, who seem fine with just attacking Jews indiscriminately. It's really crazy to see. It's like just based on cold, hard politics, it seems like they wouldn't want to get into this. You'd think so. I mean, for AOC, she happens to be in a district where it's extremely progressive. 
And unfortunately, it's the extremely progressive thing to do to not not only not care about Jews, but sort of be anti-Zionist and honestly be anti-Semitic as well. Um, so that's how AOC gets away with it. For de Blasio and for Cuomo, they do this really sort of mealy mouth, double-faced thing where they go and they kiss the ring of, of all the rabbis in Brooklyn, and then when the time comes, they sort of turn their back. And, you know, as as big of a voting block as the Jewish community is, it's not big enough. And, and, and Jews are not a uniform voting block. And so while the more religious Jews in Brooklyn might vote one way, the, the non-observant Jews on the Upper West Side could care less about their sort of co-religionists in Brooklyn, and they don't vote. They won't vote against someone like Bill de Blasio based on what he's done to the Jewish community in Brooklyn. And it, it's really unfortunate, but, um, but the, the Jewish community has splintered enough where um, they don't care. Yeah, it's just really disappointing to see, um, again, this anti-Semitism is like so appalling and you see it throughout human history, throughout recorded history of constantly uh, trying to scapegoat this community wherever they might be. And uh, you're seeing these attacks in London. Thankfully, I believe it was Boris Johnson who made a strong statement of support. But again, you just had, especially labor people, just these mealy mouth statements and uh, yeah, they might not have the political impact in in parts of the UK, but it's just human decency requires all of us to stand up and protect any of our neighbors who are under threat like this. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean that's you're sort of you've hit upon the other reason why uh, it doesn't matter uh, because there's not enough sort of conservative religious Christians in New York and New York City. To stand up for the Jews, and unfortunately, that's the biggest voting block that um, that does so. Yeah, it's just very disappointing to see. Do you see um, any attitudes changing among American Jews? Just about, I don't even know if it has to be partisan politics, but supporting Israel more or less because this latest round of attacks, and frankly, it's the same as any other. It was totally unjustified. Uh, Hamas basically is heading into their own elections. They canceled an election because Hamas didn't think it would win. And, uh, hey, let's distract everybody by attacking Israel indiscriminately. Um, it, it seems like uh, th- this is their playbook all the time and how nobody can see through it is just beyond me. Yeah, it's really astounding. And unfortunately, we've seen the Jewish community, again, bifurcated among people who are observant and people who are not. And the observant sort of wing are, you know, we have more children. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. pregnant with my fifth. Um, and we, our children don't assimilate as as rapidly, if at all, really, uh, in comparison to, to non-observant Jews. And so our share of the Jewish community um, via assimilation and, and our birth rate is getting larger generation to generation, but... Um, the, the non-observant Jews, by and large, are Democrats. They are progressive, and they care less and less about Israel with every passing year. Right, right. Well, uh, you mentioned a lot of uh, conservative Christian support for the state of Israel and for American Jews as well. One thing I've noticed is you've done a lot of writing for, of all places, you live around the Beltway now. You used to live in the New York area. You do write a lot for Deseret News. Um, I believe that's OBS yeah. owned. I'm not might not be uh, exactly yeah. accurate on that. But 
What is this affinity, um, the readers there, and you have uh, writing amongst this community? Is it just a, hey, we're kind of a conservative religious block at the end of the day? Yeah, so it's, I, I don't even know if I told you this. So I'm actually a contributing writer for Deseret now. So oh, that, congrats, the, congrats. Yeah, yeah. So I, I write, I've been writing for them. It just started this month. I probably should have mentioned it since we're going <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I just started writing for them more regularly this month. And and a, and a lot of it is, and I wrote this for um, LDS Living a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of a, a lifestyle blog for LDS folks. And I I said basically, you know, this is this is the genesis of my affinity for folks of the Mormon situation now, Latter Day Saints, whatever. But I think it's easier to just say Mormon. Sorry, but um, but it, there's so much more commonality in my in my opinion between someone who is a religious LDS member and someone who is a religious Jew. I feel more commonality with someone who is religious of a different faith than I do with a secular Jew, because uh, we have the same understanding of modesty, the same appreciation and respect for big families. Uh, I mean, the list is really endless as far as the similarities between the two religious um, sort of communities. But I, I, I think that that's, that's something that is going to carry us as a nation sort of forward into the future is the Jewish people are going to find that our, our biggest defenders are not among our, our co-religionists. Right, it's right. Going to be among other people who are religious. And it doesn't really matter what their religion is, because uh, they have a sense of morality and they have a sense of decency that um, that is not present in uh, secular American culture. All right. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel wrapping up the Seth Liebson Show for today. Thanks to Bethany Mandel for joining us. Um, yeah, she uh, has a, provides a very good perspective on uh, what a lot of us are in for. Anyone, and I, I of course have many friends of all faiths and of no faith at all, but uh, people who just appreciate tradition and uh, conservatism, uh, social conservative, however you might uh, place that, we're kind of all in this together. And uh, I guess that's why I'm not uh, liable to follow some critical race theory thing. Um, You see people from all walks of life, and you look for those people who have the same bedrock values that you do. And uh, these can come from any faith and from no faith. Um, We've seen it again and again. Uh, Some of our best friends, when our Girls were very young, and they were in uh, traditional public school. There was a Muslim family that moved to the valley uh, from California, I believe, and uh, they became our best friends of parents uh, for those, like, three school years our kids attended together until they moved back to California because we just kind of had the same conservative mindset amongst ourselves. And uh, it was just like, wow, some of the things the school are teaching are a little odd. Some of these trends we see in culture, we got to stick together and uh, – yeah, you find uh, friends all over the place. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, skin pigmentation will never matter to me. I'm sorry uh, to the wokarati who have a problem with that. I just can't get myself to worry about somebody's pigmentation. Um, I'm not I'm not a good uh, audience 
for this new racism, which was sweeping classrooms, the academy, where it originated, and increasingly business. It's just foolishness, and uh, it's best that Americans find the places we agree and work together on making America awesome as it was founded and as it will be in the future. So I know uh, there's a lot of crazy politics out there, a lot of crazy news stories, but at heart, I, I, I think the the future will be bright. These madnesses will pass, and uh, basically we can, um, if we aren't in power in D.C., we're in power in some offices at least, in our local areas, uh, towns, school boards, uh, states, and we can affect change there. And uh, the biggest change that you can make is just helping out in your neighborhood, helping out in your church or synagogue, uh, helping out um, with your school in parent parental organizations. That's where American greatness comes from. It comes from America's people, not from America's leaders, as we've uh, been shown again and again by those so-called leaders. So thanks so much for listening to me. Thanks to Seth for giving me this opportunity to chat with you. You can continue reading my work at ricochet.com. Check out my podcast there. Find me on Twitter. E-X-J-O-N is my handle there. And uh, look for my article this weekend, Making People Mad in the Arizona Republic. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you later.